This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just starting to believe a little bit. Well, Hoylet's got the better of Buxton. Puts it into an area. Keo Zamora! Unbelievable! From the very brink of elimination, Bobby Zamora has surely scored another playoff winner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Thank you for listening. There's been another two games, been and gone, so lots to talk about. We've also got Nigel Quasi joining us, which we're all looking forward to this evening. So we're joined tonight by the usual. Bradley, how are you? Hello, mate. You all right? All right, Dunk? You all right, mate? Dunk. We're also joined by Duncan. How are you? I'm good. Still are you guys all right? Uh, Still up, mate. Three weeks. Three weeks and counting. You'll be a different man when you see me then. <laughs> so, two games have gone, and I think half at half time um, in the middle game, I was thinking the worst again, thinking not looking forward to chatting about this this week. But, unbelievable second half. But it's still, you know, we'll talk about Huddersfield first. Possibly the worst two fixtures of the season that we've played against the same team. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, away, we were appalling. And I think we were on Saturday, we were even worse. Like, I don't even know how we could be worse than when we played them away. I, I, just, I just think whether the team were just flat, exhausted. I don't, honestly just don't know what went wrong. Everything just seemed to go wrong. The thing is, in, in both games, we were, it's not like we were outclassed or, you know, Huddersfield were a better team or they played better or quicker or Chris. They, they, we, it's just odd that both fixtures, we really just haven't turned up at all. And they've just gone away with six easy points. They haven't really had to do much in either fixture. Um, and we haven't even scored either or even looked like scored in either fixture, really. I know we had the Kane charge. Um, but yeah, a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they sat quite deep. We struggling against teams, don't we? We're, you know, the, the teams that are down there. You know, I'm not sure if it's something that we, you know, Warbs needs to, as we sometimes say, has a plan B for for when we play these teams that sit back and 
we have to go at them because when that happens is what 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 that means is is that or, or they push up a bit and Austin and Dip Dykes are, are further away from the goal and have to make those runs in behind. They're just not quick enough, and and, and, and they stop the balls in the box by playing further up. Yeah, and that's one thing I noticed with what Huddersfield did really well, especially in the second half. Um, they really stopped us from getting the balls in the box. I think we did one, maybe two. Uh, I counted. No, I mean they're just they're, they're quite well organised, Huddersfield, aren't they? Like, or they can be against us anyway. Like, I mean, if if Kane had put that chance away, like going in one nil, like I think their confidence would have dropped, and I think it would, the result would have been completely different. But like, apart from that, did we have another shot on target? Did we really like push Huddersfield at all? Like, I can't, there's nothing I can really remember apart from the Kane chance. So I think on the no. reflection of it, I think the, the fair result, I think it was the fair result. I don't think we did enough to get even a draw out of it, if I'm honest. It's just one of those you have to write off. It was just a shit day all over for everybody. Yeah. To be fair, I, think I missed the game. I was at work. And it's, a, it's a good job. I missed the game, to be honest. Sounds a bit, it was terrible, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we weren't great. Uh, I mean, days like that happen. I mean, you know, the reality is that we possibly are a mid-table team. And, and what comes with that is is the inability to be consistent because otherwise if you were you'd be higher up the league wouldn't you um, and we are the epitome of a team that just cannot you know put any kind of consistency together and, and, and that's evident in the two, in the middle yeah. game where first half we looked like we were going to be a relegation Terrible. team you know and then the second half we looked like a team that just, you know playoff contention team if you like so in the same game, we just looked like so weird. We just looked like a different team in the second half against Millwall, didn't we? I mean, the lads never gave up. You think after the first half performance they had, you think heads would be dropping, but they dug deep, didn't they? And digging deep is what gets you points. And we managed another, yet another comeback, which was good. I think uh, Dykes has to get a mention for the effort he put in at Millwall. I think I was quite impressed with Dykes, um, but Geordie boys. What about Geordie? He's just Geordie's been unbelievable. I mean, he, he looks like, and I said this before, he just looks like a quicker Tony Leister. He looks like, you know, he's built like him, but he just looks a bit more nippier. I say that, he did get sort of out, out sprinted for the goal, but you know, I don't think Jed Wallace is particularly slow. And I think we gave the ball away and he was flat-footed. Um, what Austin calls him, the man mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks, you know... He wins every header. Um, but you're right, you know, he, he, you know, we, we we do miss a bit of steel, don't we? Especially yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah, we we're, we're, we're too nice. Well, we're I too much of a nice team, and, aren't we, sometimes? Yeah, and I think with him and Johansson and Austin, I think the spine of the team, it just gives us that bit more of a, yeah, a bit more steel in the middle of the park. Um, you know, let's, so I, I'm... But let, let's not miss out, though. Imagine if we were there, boys. 2-0, 2-0, down, 3-2. Think about full-time. It would have been some it? belters this season, wouldn't they? If they were in the oh, ground, it's... there would have been some... Actually, I'm thinking back to the Cardiff game. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. You know, a couple of away trips, the Watford away. Oh, it would have been... You know, Brentford. We've, well, we've got the most points from being behind in the Championship, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah, I saw that stat. So, which is good. It's a great stat to have. 
in it. But it's also uh, uh, why do we, you know, where would we be if we didn't keep falling behind in all these games? Because there's probably a lot of points in there that we've lost, not especially at the start of the season. Um, yeah, it's worrying that stat on one level. We've got to, we have to go a goal down to get ourselves going, we, to get that motivation. Which you can't always do. No, I yeah, like, like, like against Huddersfield, like we went a goal down and we just couldn't get back into the game whatsoever. Derby, yeah, you know, Derby was the same. You know, these teams, especially these teams down there, they just get the goal and sit back. And I think we always find it a little bit difficult because of the players we've got. We haven't, you know, if chairs not on it, on it, we just, you know, we haven't got ever easy. We haven't got bright with the pace. I just always sometimes think we're a bit flat. Yeah, I do. If, if teams sit right back. I think we do lack a bit of pace. I don't know. I think we haven't really got anyone in the team who's lightning, have we? No, no, not a lot. Not that pure that, electric pace. No, we need to. We need to sort that out. And that's something that um, that Warb just said. Doesn't he? You need someone in there that, that that can split. You know, if you put a ball over the top, we're in. Whereas at the moment, if that happens, it happened a few times. Dykes was, you know, and, and Oscar, they get through, but they normally get caught, like, don't they? <laughs> like we say the two up front we're playing with is, is almost like Dykes being a target man and Austin as a poacher we've got we've got no one like you say attacking the defence running behind have we do you know what I mean no, no Austin I mean, and Dykes both think... play they're like back to goal don't they they both kind of want well, to receive again, the ball not go over not go like make runs but in behind when we've got Chair and Willick and, and Austin what I think he does is he puts Austin as like you know, number number ten a little bit in behind, gets him in the box if needed, but he comes in sort of, and then Willock and Chair press on and 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 try and get in behind. But they're not naturally, they're not that's not their natural positions, and it's difficult for them, isn't it? I was really surprised to see Chair dropped. Again, you know, that's the only way I can think that is what happened. He was particularly poor against um, Huddersfield, but I didn't expect him to not play at Millwall. No, I agree with no. you. It was interesting because obviously uh, Millwall away, Chair was our best player. And when uh, Warburton took him off was when Millwall then got back into the game. So you would have thought it's like an opposition that he likes to play against. So it was a bit of a strange one. But I think his team selection was like based on Millwall of old. He thought it was going to be like a physical battle. And they're not that kind of team. Yeah, they're not like that. Really I can, you can no, see that. Not anymore. Like, I, 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 it was a strange... Like it, it felt like he was making us like a more physical, like going to dominate the game that way. But Millwall don't necessarily play at that until the last fifteen minutes when they're hitting balls to Matt Smith. Yeah, I, I mean they've got Mason Bennett up top and Jed Wallace, and they're not known for their physicality. So and the midfield was okay. Little Woods, you know, Evans. They're not, you know, they weren't. Yeah, I mean, I think he's slowly changing them, isn't he, um, Rowett? Uh, but and that, that's one of the reasons I think we got caught out in the first half. We play, you know, I like Cameron actually. I'm one of his, you know, I, I like, I'm a bit of a fan of Cameron. I think he he brings more to the team, more of a leader and, and, and talking and, and, and organising and, and, and just a bit of nouse about him. But in that centre midfield, he looked lost in the first half. He literally generally yeah. was chasing tails. He hadn't played for a few weeks. And I just think if we're not going to play him centre back, we probably just don't play him at all or bring him on for the last 15 minutes, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got so well when when Carol's back, and um, I feel we've got so many options in the midfield, haven't we? So many. I mean, obviously, Ball's not yeah, getting I mean, the start on 11. 
odd. It's not odd that because I can see why, but he doesn't, it's not. It's not like it's been deserved, does it? He's you know for me anyway. He um, yeah, he's been you know in all the wins in the run that we had, he was p- pivotal, wasn't he? And um, I like him. I, I like you know he can be a bit Bambi on ice sometimes, and just sort of the ball just sort of don't get you know if he keeps it for too long. It's <laughs> he tends up tends to lose it, but he's always there, isn't he? He's always in it like getting his foot in or just fouling someone in the right position. Um, but yeah, yeah. But Field seems to be a bit of ahead of him, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But the good news is we're, we're climbing up the table, aren't we? 11th now. You think where we was a few months back? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. We're going yeah. forward. Yeah. It's, it's good. He's done a good job, Warbs. He seems persistent. He seems like he really likes this three at the back doesn't he he doesn't want to change it unless he really really has to um, you know but but it's worked for him I mean to be fair we have got four really good load sidings in you know let's not hide that you know these are four that'll be on what you know some wage and, and they would cost the club some bit of money uh, and I dread to think where we would be if we didn't get these four loans in right Sorry to jump in, lads, but um, Nigel Quasi's waiting to come in, so I think we better let him in. Oh, can Hello, you hear Nigel, me? You right? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. You all right? Hold on, let me go, let me go on video here. You got me? Nigel, yeah, you know, how, how are you, mate? How you doing, guys? You are right? How are you yeah, doing, Keep it safe? Yeah, not too bad. I hope all your families and everyone's all okay, well and safe too, and you know, you're all all right. Yeah, Thanks, we're, all, we're all good, mate. With us, we're, we're doing these podcasts and speaking to ex-players to keep us busy. Um, so thanks for coming on. Um, this is the first one I've ever uh, done with the, Q, Q, with the QPR club. So. Is it? Yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, thanks very much for having me. And, um, you it's know, I'm, I'm still in contact with a lot of people at QPR, but to do the first podcast with you guys as well, um, I want to say thanks very much. Uh, so, who are you still in contact with? Out of uh, Tony Tony Incenzo. Okay. Um, I still speak to Sinks, Trevor. Um, who else who have I spoken to? Trevor Chalice. Oh, Trevor uh, Chalice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Deech, sometimes he's in Toronto, Deech. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So I tried to sort of, now obviously I was, you know, being involved in the coaching side, but sometimes I sort of, I think it's important that the players interact with, you know, the supporters more and, and stuff like that. So I try to, sometimes I sort of have a little mention on Twitter and stuff like that. I'm not really on social media that much, but, you know, to, to show this support for the club still is, you know, otherwise, if it wasn't for the club and you and supporters, I don't think I'd be sitting here. So, you know, thanks very much. Well, that's where I want to start, really. So you, um, you were a QPR trainee, weren't you? Was that where it all started? Were you at anywhere else before QPR? No, or is that... I, I didn't start start playing till about 11 and a half, 12. And then I um, went to went to school and I thought it was like an after school sort of PE session where they put on and I went there and it was a trial for the school team. Then the the teacher asked me if I would play in a game um, at the playing fields in Crystal Palace. So I said, yeah. And after that game, a QPR scout spotted me and then said, would I like to come to QPR? And I didn't know too much about it. And um, he he said that we've got a centre of excellence in South London, which was centre of excellence back then. And and it was right next to um, Charlton's foot, uh, training ground up Sparrows Lane in Elton. It was on the other side of the fence of that on a, on a Sandy Astro turf. And um, 
I got all the details and went there. I think it was about two or three weeks later on a Tuesday night. I'll never forget. And I went there, started training and um, yeah, it all started from there really. And it was once a week. And, and then, I'll, you know, from South London, I was getting the bus because I'm from like near Old Kent Road on the Aylesbury Estate, which was predominantly very, very rough. And I used to hide on the back of the bus down on the, on the bottom part of the bus. <laughs> so I had to put sort of duck down behind seats to get to, um, you know, Elton, because I was going through that point in, in Elton where Stephen Lawrence had got killed as well. So it was it was pretty, you know, around the area, it was, it was pretty daunting. And, you know, it wasn't um, something that I'd uh, recommend. But <laughs> it, was it, it was something that, you know, I've got an opportunity in life to go and train. I went and trained. And like I said, I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for, for QPR and the supporters in the club. So when you were when you so you were a trainee there you were when you were on the peripheral of the, uh, the getting into the first team who was the main who were the main lads around what were, were you cleaning boots what what, what were you doing yeah. that sort of when I, when I, see when I started as the YTS it was the old YTS and it was like twenty eight pound fifty a week so traveling from South London to get to White City get to the stadium do the kit do everything like that. And I'm on the boots at that stage. I was on Danny Dicio's and Andy Impey's. I'll never forget. And it got to a point where their boots were wet. So I would take them home and I'd fill them with newspaper. And the boots were still wet. So I'd get my mum's air dryer and I'd be standing there like <laughs> at 12 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, oh, Deach and Imps are going to cane me if these boots are not done properly. So I'm standing there with the air with my mum's air dryer. And I'll never forget one night, I was up to, it must have been about, God, nearly 12 o'clock, like gone 12, with this air dryer. And it broke. Right? <laughs> and I was like, petri- I was like petrified, like a ditch and like, you know, imps at the time. And I'm thinking, I'm banging trouble. It's the worst sleepless night I've ever had. Just like, you put in the air dryer the newspapers. The What's that? Was you putting the air dryer too close to the boots? Yeah, to get them dry, like the laces and everything. <laughs> and you know the old TV, uh, the old TV guides. I used to fill it, fill them up with the old TV guides and like stacking it, and in the morning refilling it on the on the tube from Elephant Castle, and like just stacking it, like keep replacing the wet like uh, TV guide and that. And I buy newspaper from the shop. And I'm thinking it's coming out of my £28.50 a week, like, do you know what I mean? So I'm buying a newspaper and just stacking the newspaper and stuff on the tube. And, you know, at that time, you had the likes of David Barsley, uh, Alan McDonald. You had, when I was a YT, you had um, Clive Wilson. You had um, Ian Holloway, Ray Walking, Simon Barker, you know, Gary Pem, Rice, Sinclair, Imps. Cool, that's some names there. Oh, it was it, it, my my best education was getting you know, come, being from South South London was getting out of the door, going to school, then going to QPR, and my main aim was to try and stay alive to get through the door and get home. And then if I had the QPR night because my mum was working at that stage, I had to get on the bus on my own, and I still had to sort of you know try and find a way of getting home without seriously getting caught up in anything that was going to happen then I had to run through the estate as well and that happened all the way through from being a YTS even when I got to the first team you know still getting home was very very 
difficult for me and it was tough to sort of thinking after a game would I make it and I, you know getting through the door I was very lucky even if the lift didn't work I'd have to go up the stairs and there was there was you know drug addicts on the lift and you know they had needles in their arms and I had to jump over them and try and get through the door on the sixth floor of the estate so you know all these sort of experiences have all played a part in where I am now and you know I've been very very lucky but like I said without QPR I would never have gone through the things that I've gone now to be able to pass on to the things of what I'm doing now. And, you know, I'm really, really grateful for what I've got and, and, and what um, what the club st- stood for in terms of helping me in life, in terms of growing up, um, training. The old YTS scheme was the best education I ever had. And I just, I, you know, I think that they should still have that now. You know, my, my travel card was the most expensive thing the club gave me. You know, sometimes I was starving. And I thought even eating that would be expensive. I was that hungry, so you know, <laughs> it, it was it was it was it, it was it was just great. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Georgia, when did you when did you know that you, you, when you know you go through all that? When did you know that I'm, I'm going to make it? Here? Was there a point or a game or a conversation? No, no. I was a late de- I was a late developer. I'm a July, so I was always effectively in my age group. I was playing up, so. I was like a month off from being the year below. So if I was a, if I was say 14, when I went on the old uh, schoolboy form, I would be playing against kids that might be in September, October, November, December. So they were effectively a year older than me. So I was always a late developer and I, I didn't really sort of play up until I got to my last year at school. And then I went into the youth team and played with the likes of Kevin, Matthew Brazier, um, Chris Plummer, Marvin Bryan, John Cross, you know, all of these sort of kids that sort of were older than me, but played an important part. And and, and they've all contributed to my career. When you come through the football club, it's such a great experience because you, you're all trying to get into the first team, but without those players and kids at the time, I would never have been able to sort of develop into the, the player that I was. So for me, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have met good people, but all over the football club, from start to get into the first team, I, I never knew that I would even get a game until the actual time come and just kept playing, playing, playing and developing and developing. And I was pretty small at the time. And then I sort of grew until, and when I come first time, that's when I actually started to grow. And then that's how it all started to materialise. When you, you gave some good players in the youth team there as well, was there any of them that you were training with and you thought, He's 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 definitely got it. He's going. He's going to be. You know. I would say Kevin. Gallagher, I think Kevin Gallagher broke Jimmy Greaves' record at that time, and he was an absolute goal machine. But great player, uh, very um, high standards every day. Uh, his way of training was to effectively get better and better. He did that in the youth team, and he was one of the ones that went into the first team from the youth team. And he sort of gave us that sort of um, platform to want to do it more. He And he got in the uh, first team very, very, you know, young as well and was scoring goals left, right and centre. And then he got a knee injury and, you know, to, to see him develop and then have the knee injury, but then come back from that as well. He, he, he was inspirational. He was demanding of me because he had standards and I was coming into the youth team and, I was always aware of where he wanted to go. He, he, he was a great influence on players to get better, I think. 
So you you got your debut. I've got here. It was, a, it was away at United. Yeah. 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 I saw somewhere else that you were a United fan. Is that is that true or? Yeah, I am. I you am never know United. if these facts are true or not, do you? You don't know. Well, you see things and you. Well, the thing is, my granddad. Um, he, he he was a United fan, and I did until I started really playing football. I didn't really take into consideration about supporting anybody. So I never, I because my granddad didn't. I was close to my granddad back then, and I used to go there every Sunday um, to see him and my grandmother. But as we go along, I'll explain to you about my personal tragedies and, and things that I experienced. But he sort of had an influence on on me in terms of my my. Um, my upbringing in terms of Man United and and I sort of just for him alone I sort of continued to have that sort of feel for them as a club but you know QPR as well was because I'd grown up in that environment being from South London I had Mirwall but when I came through at QPR that you get that you get that feel for the club and you know that's where Man United QPR and you know I've got affiliations with obviously a couple of clubs still but you know I'm, I'm pretty along them lines really. Must have been a great debut then to have both, you know, to be, you know, get the yeah. two main clubs. Well, well, I thought I was doing the kit. So you're on the bus doing the tees and everything like that. And the kit man said, we've got to go to the stadium, put the kit out first for all the players. Um, and then tomorrow you we come in earlier to make sure the boots are all done. So I've got to make sure the same situation to make sure all the boots are in line. Even if like the big toe of the boot is out of line, you, you, you're going to get questioned and stuff like that. And on the old YTS scheme, that was... It was great because you'd probably miss a game at that weekend to travel with the first team to do all the kit and help out, which was a great experience. But to go to Man United, just to do that and go in the changing room and put the boots out, put the kit out, that's what I was aware of. I was a little bit frustrated because I wanted to play in the youth team game. But being at Man United took away that as well. So um, did that, went to the hotel, woke up in the morning, went to the stadium did all me uh, checking over with the kit, uh, all the bits and pieces, boots, making sure everything was all in place for the players. Um, and then uh, hour and a half before kickoff, the players came into the changing room. I was standing there right near the um, the, the team talk uh, board and, and the tactics board. And um, he named the team and, and Ray Ray put me in the team. And that's that's really as quick as it happened. And I didn't have any indication I was going to play, so... Yeah. That was, yeah, that was Ray Wilkins. Yeah, what about he? Car, oh man, unbelievable. To, and to, for what he did for me, you know, me in terms of, you know, I wanted to ring my mum after the game, and I wanted to use a mobile phone. So he said to me, "You can use my mobile phone. Call this number," and uh, I called this mobile number, and uh, it was my mum on the phone. So I told my mum that I'd made my debut and she said, yeah, I know, I'm at the game. So I was like, what, what are you talking about? So she said, like, Ray and the club had helped me get a mobile phone. And it was like our first mobile phone. And he organised a train ticket and everything for my mum to come up. He bought us a mobile phone, our first mobile phone, bought us that. My mum was outside the ground and I went outside by the team bus and my mum was there and she said that, like, Ray got her a phone and, and basically paid for the ticket for my mum to come to the game. So he'd arranged all that beforehand. Was he still that in training? You know, he was amazing. managing. Was yeah. he? Was he still training as well? I bet he was still unbelievable, wasn't he? Cause he... Oh, like you couldn't get close to him at all. Like in training, it was like ridiculous. So, for me, growing up and playing midfield, when I got the opportunity to train with the first team, he would basically sort of school me basically in training and 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 
you know, trying to get close to him. So you're always picking up sort of habits. But then because he was playing manager at the time and I was with the first team, he would stop me in the middle of a game that's going on. We're playing small-sided games or whatever. And he's talking to me and explaining to me what he wants me to do, how to do things. And, you know, for him to take that time at that stage where I was to have that effect on me and contribute to where I am. And, you know, I've got a page dedicated to him on my website um, because of everything that he's done to me. And like another story as well is like, not just that, I remember once he was, he was watching a game. I think it was Crystal Palace and he was coming through South London and he called me at home on my house phone and he asked my mum where I was. And uh, I got on the phone and he said, I want you to come downstairs. So I came down in the lift and he was, he was parked up and he, he explained, I, like, I was like, what the hell is he like checking up on me and everything like that? Because I was young and I made my debut and stuff. You know, after a couple of games, he was checking up on me a lot. And he come to the estate and he basically made it clear to me. He said, listen, you know, you know, I've had an un- been told that where you're from and what's going on and, you know, your background. But, you know, you've got an opportunity to, to, to give yourself a chance in life. But you can have an influence on the people that are here and give them something to look up on and look upon to see what it's like that you can do things to to get to push on and be successful in life. So remember where you come from. Remember who the people around here has helped you, but you can have a positive influence on them. And for him to take that time to, to come and tell me that and see my environment, you know, all these things I, I'll never forget. I know that the player manager role, you don't see it any, anymore. Sort of, it's, it's quite a difficult concept for anyone to, to do. Did Ray? Did he? Did he? Did he? That transition? Did he do it well? Did he? You know, both jobs. Yeah, I, I, Ray. That really stood out was was he? He was a people's people person. He was he was more about the players first, your well being. Um, everything okay at home? Do you need anything? Anything I can do? Is your outside life okay? Is there anything that that I can do here that can help you? play to the level I know you can play at. He was very responsive and very understanding of people. So for him to be a player manager, but still put players first and not worry about himself being a player, I think that that in itself just showed the quality of him. And if you, you know, everybody speaks about him all over the world in terms of his career, but as a human being, you'll always hear that he was just an absolute genuine first-class human being. It's a top bloke. Unbelievable unbelievable and I was you know to even have that opportunity to be associated with him knowing that I'm a young player coming through and he's taking the time out of his life to check what's going on around me understanding the environment that I'm from but trying to always be positive always give you an outlook on life to see what you can achieve but always having an effect on other people and giving them inspiration and giving them something to inspire to as well so I'm Everything that he played a part in now is everything that I'm, you know, doing now. Which is, you know, I'm 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 lucky to have that experience and get the knowledge from people like that. So that was our relegation season from the Premiership, if, if I'm right. Um, yeah. You know, what what went wrong? What went wrong that season, from your perspective? Well, one thing that's very difficult as well is when you are in that sort of position, you tend to, you, and I've said this before, you're playing very well. But then in the Premier League and players even back then, which I think are better back then to compare to what they are now, because every team had sort of like five or six players that could hurt you. And when you are playing well, 
you think, cool, we're in this game here, but then you get that moment of brilliance and someone just pops up with a goal or a substitute, a world-class substitute comes on and just takes the stuffing out of you. And I think that's the difference with the top level. I think now you look at it and all the top teams have got those players that made that difference. And that was even back then as well. And the changing room was good. The the players were good. The, the environment was good. The management was good. And then it sort of changed a little bit in terms of, say, the managers coming in in, in Stuart Houston and Bruce Riock. And, that, and things started to change a little bit for me then because I don't think that they were very into young players at that stage. I think they wanted to, you know, when, when the relegation did happen, they sort of changed sort of, you know, things in terms of development, in my development. And um, with all the young players coming through, it seemed like it was more the experience-based players and, that, and it kind of changed and made things a little bit difficult for me at that stage as well. Yeah, I was good. I've got it that you, you, you played under a few managers other than Ray. Uh, we've got Houston, John Hollins, Ray Halford. What, I mean, what were they all like to work under? Was there any that you didn't massively get on with or one that you did? Or? I don't think it was about getting on with, you know, all of them I got on with, but then some managers have their own ideas. Like Ray Halford was great to, great to me. He um, He basically sort of said that, you know, I'd played in the first team at such a young age and grown a lot of experience. And that, that was getting to a point where, you know, he, he sort of said to me, it might be better for me to, to possibly go and, and go and, you know, move on. And I, at that stage, I didn't feel that it was the right time for me to, to, to go because I was still learning. I was still, de- I was still developing. I was still young. And he sort of said to me that I'd sort of, I've really kept come on as a footballer and if I wanted to push on, that might be the opportunity for me to, to, to push on. But then, you know, John Hollins was first class with me. I got on well with everybody, but sometimes some managers want to do things their own way. And, and one thing that I've always been when, even as a player, even to the end of my career, football clubs come first, um, supporters come first. You have to respect the football club. So for QPR to give me that opportunity in life, and then I'm told that I might have to leave because of the financial situation with Chris Wright at the time. My main aim was to think of QPR. My main aim was to think what what is right for the football club. And because I was still young, the club tried to explain to me that I, I can go on and be successful and go and move. So I, I, I was in a difficult situation, really, because I, I loved every minute of being there. But then some managers want to change and do certain things their way and I have to respect that, but then I've got to respect the football club and what's best for the football club. I remember that first championship season and I remember we, we were real close to getting playoffs, weren't we? Um, yeah. I know you had a really good season that season, but I vaguely remember we had a really poor home run or home form that season. Do you, I don't yeah. know. Do, do, I, I, do you know why that was? Can you remember it in detail? Well, I'm sort of thinking off the top of my head. Was that the time under uh, Bruce Rock and Stuart Houston? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> me personally, I just think that there were players there that were extremely talented, but then Bruce Riock and uh, Stuart Houston come in, and I think they tried to change a little bit in the philosophy of the way that we kind of played and, you know, the way that we sort of grew as a team. And I still felt like, we, you know, we had played some really good football. I didn't really get... Uh, I, I played some minutes and then I didn't play and then they said that I wasn't going to play and... Like I said, I don't know whether they had come into the club and they wanted to do things their way, but they tried to do it a little bit too quickly. So when you have got experienced players there, sometimes 
me personally, I think you need to keep players on side. So I think by them changing things, I think sort of dismantled a little bit of the way that the experienced players sort of wanted to sort of progress. And I'm always think that if a new manager comes into a football club, you don't just go in there and try to dismantle a group and then do things your own way. You need players and you're always going to need players at some part of the season. So you have to be very careful in how you tread and how you do things. And I just think by changing things quickly, I think it's sort of, you know, um, ruffled a few feathers a little bit. And it's sort of that, that sort of run sort of, and the way that that happened sort of affected the group, I think. Just quickly, how did you find it playing at Loftus Road during that time, like the um, with the fans and the atmosphere? Like for you personally, how was it? Loved it. Everybody's on top of you. You know, South Africa Road. You know, Ellesley Road. The whole stance. You know, wind in the loft. the The sound and the atmosphere was fantastic. The the going to walking from the tube station to the ground and people the respect that the, the supporters had and the way that they, are, they were with me, even going home, you know, travelling home, they wanted to make sure that I was getting on the train or I weren't getting bothered and stuff like that. But being on the pitch in terms of the atmosphere, it was, it, it, it was loud. It was, it was, you know, you can, you can hear it. As soon as you, you come out, you, you can hear it because it's so enclosed and it's a great, it's a great stadium to play in as well. And the pitch as well was always nice and, you know, the atmosphere and, and, and just, just the vibe around the club, even getting ready for, you know, for the warm-up and stuff like that. It, it, it's, it's a great experience. And, you know, like I've said, I've, to be able to go out onto that pitch and be able to kick a ball and be lucky enough to play football, but in front of people that have helped me be who I am in terms of being a footballer and coming through, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm truly uh, grateful for it. Is there a specific game that, that really... You look back on it and you think the atmosphere was unbelievable in that game or there was a distinctive game that sticks in your memory at all at Loftus Road? Yeah, I'd say Chelsea when I scored in, in the FA, FA that Cup. That was the FA yeah. Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah in the FA Great Cup. Goal. Yeah, I'd say Chelsea in the FA Cup. Obviously scoring... I mean, the two, atmosphere... The atmosphere, atmosphere in terms of... Chelsea. In, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't just just games. I just think I was just lucky enough to play in front of fantastic supporters and the respect that I always got from people, even outside the ground, to go to go, even walking to go into like training and like getting when I was a YTS, just you know, in my tracksuit and you got supporters just outside the ground, even walking to work going to the tube state. The people were just so respectful. The family environment that I was in, but the you know, to playing these games. It's just a nice, nice stadium to play in. It's very enclosed, and and that's where you feel it more. In these stadiums where you play, where the fans are away from the pitch, you don't really get to feel that vibe and the atmosphere that much. But at Loftus Road and you know small grounds that I've played at, in terms of their environment or with less capacity than Loftus Road, you still get that buzz. So, which obviously you played at a few grounds, you've been for a few clubs. Which um, club had the best atmosphere? Would you say? From the you played at Fratton Park as well, didn't you? Yeah, you played at Forest City Grounds. The atmosphere, the atmosphere at Fratton Park is similar to Loftus Road because everybody's on top of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the the thing that these grounds, I put, I didn't like 
I liked playing in the big stadiums. I played obviously for Scotland at the San Siro, but you don't hear that vibe. You don't in the grounds that are say 20,000, 22,000, 25,000. They're the best grounds, I think. Newcastle was loud. That's probably one of the loudest grounds that I've probably played at in terms of, you know, the sound of supporters and stuff being in a big, big stadium. But I would say that the, the, the less capacity is the better, I think, the better vibe and the better atmosphere, I think. So Portsmouth, Loftus Road, you know, where else was quite loud? Leeds was quite loud. But when you're playing, it's it's different. You don't re- When you're winning, you get that. You can feel it even more. When you're losing or you're probing to, you know, you're drawing and you're probing, it's a different kind of atmosphere because you can feel the tension between the, like, the supporters and the players and you can you can feel that, you know, the, the eagerness of wanting to get that result. So there's different sort of, like, you know, sounds and the way that it sort of pushes you on. So, yeah. So um, you obviously briefly mentioned playing for Scotland then. Um, how did that come about? Because obviously you represented um, England under-21s. Yeah. Um, from what I've gathered that your dad was Ghanaian, your mum was English. So where did the Scottish link come in? My mum's surname's McFarlane. So oh, my okay. granddad was Scot- Scottish and he was from the Gorbals in Glasgow. And he had a Scottish accent and everything like that. So when I played for England under-21s, then I played for England B against Chile and that didn't qualify as a qualification game that was just a, a friendly game and then Bertie Volks had approached me and said would I be interested in playing for Scotland they've done all the checks and everything and I'm eligible with all of the background that they've done on me and my grandfather was Scottish so that's how it all came about and you know to 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 play for Scotland as well it was great and I really enjoyed it and the supporters even to this day have still been first class and messaged me and you know, they they thanked me for what I, what I did playing, and it, it, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Was there a lot of non-Scottish players back then? And what I mean by that is, no. without an accent. No, they, I can't imagine there was. So it must be no. weird walking in <laughs> without an accent, not, not understanding anyone. <laughs> no, it was, it was it was obviously you had the, you had the players you had the players that were playing in England, but they did have Scottish accents. But but then saying that, it was. No, they they were fine because if you had players from Edinburgh, Edinburgh, there wasn't many players that sort of they didn't have a strong accent. Glasgow did, but then no, it was fine. Everyone was fine. They spoke well, and they they they, they were funny. It was a great environment, great training. You know, Barry Ferguson, and he was captain at the time. Darren Fletcher. You know, we had some uh, really good players, and you know, I, I enjoyed it, David Weir, and it, it was great. Uh, it was a great experience, and, and the Scottish fans and the Tartan Army to this day are always first class with me. Uh, obviously, when you left QPR, you went to Forest for, was it 2.1 million? I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. That was obviously, point, yeah. Like, yeah, back then it was still quite a bit of money, wasn't it? So how did that come about? And obviously, how did you find the move? Um, well, that's when it sort of played a part with Ray Harford and Ray Harford said that, you know, obviously the club wanted to get some money and then there was a situation where I think Chris, Chris Wright had a, was looking at uh, selling up and the financial side of the club needed to be balanced a little bit. And like I said, if I could, you know, I said to Ray Harford, if it meant I could contribute to the club and help the club to make sure that there wasn't any financial problems and it helped everybody, then 
with him saying to me that I think it will be good for you to move on in terms of playing and go, going into the Premier League. You know, I had two, two and a half, three years left and I was, I was happy and settled. But financially for the club, it meant, like you said, back then it was quite a lot of money. Went to Nottingham Forest and I lost my son and, um, you know, I, I was like 19 and going 20 and I lost my son there and I had a really difficult time and I didn't have the sort of the, the comfort of, of the football club, what I had before at QPR, where it was a family environment and they and the whole of the football club did everything they can to sort of stabilise my life. I never had that at Nottingham Forest because I'd gone there for a lot of money and they chose to you know, have me as a main figure as a player there. And I played a few games and I was playing well. And then I lost my son and my life sort of turned upside down and I didn't recover in being so young at that age to adapt to going through that and trying to play. And I didn't think that I was going to sort of come through it. And um, it was really, really tough for me. And I, I, I never really felt that I got back to my got back to myself until Tony Pulis gave me a call and I ne- and uh, to this day I, I can't thank him enough because I probably might not be here with the way that I was feeling and um, he picked the phone up and said oh would I come to Portsmouth for a chat and I'm thinking why is this guy want to come to Portsmouth he wants me to come to Portsmouth to come and speak to him so he said come down so I got the train I went down to um Portsmouth I'll never forget the Solent Hotel and the first thing he said to me was don't worry about football I've, I've got a sports psychologist for you and a psych like he was a sports psychologist and you know he dealt with lots of like, personal tragedies and he said I've got somebody to help you so I'm thinking why is this guy calling me up never met him before never spoken to him and he wanted to help me I'm talking to this guy and then I started opening up and I never had opened up since I'd lost my son I was very you know you know, we talk about mental health and everything like that. And I was probably going through something difficult really then at a young age, but probably didn't really know what it was. Started talking to this guy, started opening up and I started sort of feeling a little bit better with myself. And then Tony Pulis called me and said, um, I hear that, you know, after a few times I've been with this guy, you're doing very well with him. Would you like to come down and um, have a chat about maybe playing again? So I said, well, I don't know what Nottingham Forest think. And he... Um, said, no, I've spoken to Nottingham Forest. David Platt spoke to me and said, listen, go and speak to him, go and speak to Tony, go and see what the outcome might be or what you might want to do. Went down there and he said, listen, don't worry about playing football. We're going to get you back with this gentleman. I want, I want you to get back playing. I got back playing. He said, don't worry about playing. Uh, you know, you might play on the left. Don't worry about tactics. Don't worry about the system. I want you to get back and playing football again and enjoying your life and doing things. And he got me back playing. And to this day, I, 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 you know, a lot of people don't know know too much about it. And I've mentioned it a couple of times, but without him, I would never have probably got back. I probably might not be here to tell you it, but that's something that he's played a massive part. And now it's all sort of all these things that I've been through in my life was very, very tough. And to lose my son to where I'm at, to sort of have that knowledge and experience to maybe help people with what I'm doing now is something that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you probably didn't know about that, did you? No, no. That's touched me there a little bit, Nodge. Yeah, no, because I went to Nottingham Forest and obviously having that responsibility of being one of the main players there, but then a lot of people didn't know what happened to me. And, I, and going through that was, was tough because... 
it was something that I didn't really speak up about and no one knew too much about. So for me, I've, I've managed to sort of overcome certain things in my life now that can contribute to helping other people with what I'm doing. So I'm, 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 I'm extremely proud of what people have done for me. And I don't forget, you know, him, Harry Redknapp, Brian Robson, Tony Pulis, you know, John Hollins, these sort of people that when I said to you about, you know, like Ray putting people first, there are other people out there that, you know, they don't worry about footballers. They worry about the person first. And that's what they've done for me. So I, I, I really appreciate them. Do you think, do you think that there's um, a lot of managers currently that don't do that? Or in football, or they sort of think more about the results and, and their own sort of well-being rather than maybe um, other players, possibly. Is, is it some of the you experience? I, I, I don't know. With my experience, and the ma- I had some managers that really treated me badly and for no reason. And I had managers like the ones that I've explained that have really been effective and had an influence on not just me as a footballer, but me as a person and a human being. And hopefully there is there is managers out there that you know I have come across managers that are more sort of you know into their into the results side of things, and I've had managers that think, well, you're a grown man, you should be able to overcome these sort of things. And you know, there's a lot of um, things going on with players and mental health, and you know, trying to grow the awareness of what's going on out there. But I'd like to hope and like to think that there are managers out there that do take that sort of responsibility because. We all think differently and we all act differently and we all respond differently to stuff. And um, I think that, I think as football's evolved, hopefully there is a more understanding of that the player is a footballer, but what about him as a person? Are they all right outside of the football club or, you know, at home and stuff like that? And I've experienced fantastic things like we spoke about in the past, which have helped me. Yeah. We had, um, just going back to like you said, um, you know, p- Players, background, and thing. We had Ilias Che on in not long ago, and he said that QPR's made him feel so welcome as well because he lost his brother at the age of eight. And to know right. that QPR's still doing it and making people feel welcome is is really good, oh. you know. You, when you when you look at the things that the club's done in terms of me as a as a, as a human being growing up as a young kid, their infrastructure and the family environment that I've always experienced. And to hear what you've just told me is a credit to not just the football club, but to supporters, because the supporters are the football club. The club don't function without the supporters. The atmosphere, what surrounds the football club is an environment that is to make sure that every player that comes in is welcomed. And all the players that I had seen come come in and come through, it had always been exactly the same. Just for instance, like I'm in the West Midlands now. You look at Sam Field. I've watched Sam Field at West Brom because that's our, our local club and I've got kids in the academy there from my academy. And I've seen Sam Field sort of develop and for him to go into that environment, I, I, I mentioned on Twitter that once he gets a few games, he's going to be... He will do very well for the team. You know, and and he, with the games that he's played, he's been, he's been outstanding. So... Yeah. You can't go into a football club unless you've got that welcoming environment and that and that feel for people that want to do the best to see you do well. And that's always been the case, even when I was coming through. You mentioned you touched on Sam Field there. Have you seen much of QPR this season? Have you, you, yeah, have you watched I've, watched games, I've watched games on the TV and stuff like that. Um, I've always sort of tried to sort of stay involved. If my academy wasn't 
uh, on in the evening and there was a QPR game and I'd try and watch it a lot and obviously being busy with all the businesses and stuff like that it's harder to watch a lot of games but with the lockdown period I've seen a lot of games and I think the new players that have come in and freshened up the club I think they've they've really sort of stamped yeah. them off and, and I think they've helped I think they've taken a lot of pressure off the players that were already there and obviously seeing Charlie as well you know at West Brom as well I think with him with game time he was always going to get gold but his influence as a person and everybody told me at West Brom that the way that he was with all the lads that that was always going to be a positive effect on the players at QPR to go back there with, especially with what he's done but yeah see him go into the club and and give that confidence to the other players and he's got fit along the way in playing games. He, he's been first class. He's been brilliant. I, and I think that's what the, the club and the players needed, I think, that lift and that experience from somebody that really would take the pressure off the manager and sort of control a lot more on, on, on the football pitch. And I think that's worked dividends, to be honest. Talking, touching on you always said your academy there. And, and you're, how is your academy going? Is it going well? Yeah, I've, I've had the academy for four years. Um, I've had 19 players signed to pro clubs. Um, I just yeah. had the first player that was with me from when he was about 11, and he's just got his scholarship at West Brom. So I've got three, you know, three players in at West Brom. Um, yeah. I've got players in at Wolves, players in at Blues. I've got players in at Warsaw, players in at Shrewsbury. Um, my son's in at uh, Wolves, and you know he's just yeah. been he's just been picked for Wales. Well, he's been with Wales for the last year. So he's going with them next month. And what I've wanted to do here yeah. with the academy is, is it's about the environment. Now I've now I've got a seven-acre facility for the kids in the community. So what I do is I give the kids a kit as well. And all the things that I never had as a kid, we try to bring in into the academy, you know, the community. You, you know, it, 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 I've really enjoyed it. I've loved every minute of it. But not just that, but being able to mix with with parents kids the community like the community side you know i've always wanted to have my own facility so now i've got that we're building a gym classroom we have a physio department we're gonna have the mental health department we're having disabilities here underprivileged kids we're having everything here so i'm building everything for the community to make sure that we can try and help people and all of that plays a part in what i've been through in my life as well you know i lost my mum when i was um when I was at West Ham and, you know, I lost my mum when she was 46 as well. So all of the things that I've sort of had to go through in terms of my life is going to have an effect on trying to help people as well that are going through similar things. So we're building a lot here and the academy's growing strength for strength. It's, it's, it's expanding and I'm really happy. And like now, like talking to you guys, I've been able to sort of explain and open up a bit more and, you know, all the things that I've been through, I want to make sure that I can try and contribute to, to somebody by else's By the sounds of it, mate, I think you deserve it. You deserve it, mate. No, no. You know. you, you know, like, like, we're talking and I've had my career. And one thing that yeah. I want to do now is even walking around the pitches to my pitches, talking to people, making sure that they're enjoying it, making sure that they're coming into yeah. the environment. And now to be able to interact more, because like as a footballer, you're, you're sort of, you have to go through sort of like the, the communications department in terms of interviews and stuff like that. But I think there's not enough interaction between the fans and the supporters. I'm not saying yeah. the fans are going to abuse you or anything like that, but they should be given the right to have certain questions they want to ask. Nothing that's going to make you feel 
threatened or anything like that. But I think that communication and that understanding will bring people together more. And, you know, it's sort of, you'll get an understanding of what the football club and what the fans and what the players want to move forward together. But I get to do yeah. that now on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm really um, grateful to be able to mix with the community now and I enjoy it. So it's all about, it's all about, it's, it's all about seeing the, uh, seeing all walks of life and the kids and you know playing a part in that you know we've got the inflatable parks we've got trampoline parks and I've got a wellness facility now as well down the road so you know everything that we're trying to combine together is to give people a platform to try and open up a little bit more and you know help people and I'm really looking forward to the future so you know I'm grateful for what I've got but all the things that I've been through have really played a part into where I am now and you know, I've got to say thank you to all you guys and the supporters because without you, I could never have wanted to play to my best and I couldn't want to be, you know, a footballer and dream of being a footballer if you didn't get the backing and the support of a football club that's very family-orientated. So thank you very much for that. No worries. Thank yeah. you. So I've got a few uh, quick-fire questions for you, Nigel. Yeah. So a five-a-side team, players at QPR, other than yourself, if you as the gaffer, who are you picking? Yeah. Ray Wilkins. What he goes? Where's he playing? Can I, can I chuck an outfield Go and goal player first. Goal? Yeah. Chuck an outfield player in goal. <laughs> You're the gaffer. You can do what you want. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll go. With You're that. the gaffer. I will go Ray Wilkins in the middle of the park in the little five side. I'll play Les Ferdinand up top. I would go Alan McDonald at the back. Probably go Tony Roberts in goal. I'll give Tony Roberts that one. And I'll oh, are you allowed subs? Are you allowed subs? What happens if someone pulls a, an answer? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one uh, sub. Oh there's been so many good players at QPR. <laughs> Especially when you know when you you know when we finished top London club as well, and you, and you yeah. think, oh, oh no, you're out of order. I might get I might get a message or something like that to say, are you having a laugh or what? <laughs> oh. You got uh, yeah, I think I think I think I'll go for the older ones and I'll leave the younger ones out, I think. So I would say, yeah, Anna McDonald. I'll say Tony Roberts. I'll go Les Ferdinand, Ray Wilkins, and I'll probably go Trevor Sinclair. Not bad. That's a good team. That's that's an unbelievable squad, that is. Yeah, one sub. (laughs) One sub. I'm going to go for Ollie. I'm going to go for Ian Holloway because the banter (laughs) and and that... that, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go for Ollie as the one sub, but he can always come on anyway. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Ollie as well. So, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, back then there were so many players that were amazing, not just to me, but as a group. And, you know, to see the older players back then, when you do look at like Ian Holloway, Ray Wilkins, Gary Penrice, Les Ferdinand, Clive Wilson, MP, um, oh, God, Tony Roberts. <sighs> When you look at it, the players back then and the atmosphere was great. Going into the training ground yeah. was really great. But it, it weren't that great when wasps came in because when they come into the canteen, I used to think, oh, I've got to move because you've got big Lawrence like coming up in the canteen <laughs> queue. And you're thinking, do I stay in the queue or do I just let him go? Like, you know what I mean? And then you got all the big guys coming into the canteen and eating all the food. So, yeah, yeah. Back That's then, how- so when, what, what's that? That's how Ben feels on a daily basis. He's very small. Everyone's big too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when Wasps when came into the training ground, 
Yeah, I weren't too keen in the canteen area, to be fair. They're massive. Take it on time. And, and using that chair, and it'll be like, yeah, yeah, go on in. You can have it, like, so, yeah. <laughs> you can oh, have one I'll tell milk. you what, there's some units they were. And then when we <laughs> had the um, the day out, when you have the, uh, with the fans, when you have that, uh, the, the uh, introduction day, and you play them at rugby for 10 minutes and play them at football, nah, not for me. <laughs> feel, a, feel a little injury coming on with that one, man, you know. So, yeah. But no, they were great guys. Well. On, they were, they number were two. Number two, in your in the squad in '96, who would you say was the not? I wouldn't say troublemaker, but the the, the person that was always in trouble. Yeah. What banter wise? Yeah, banter wise, always getting told off. Always get, you know what I mean? Always yeah. up to no good. Always up to no good. Play playing little uh, tricks on people and that. Was there anyone? I'll probably say Andy Impy, you know. Yeah, I'll probably say Andy Impy or Ian Holloway. Yeah, I can imagine. I think, I think probably, I think probably them too. I think Rags. Yeah, I think yeah, he he was he was like that. He all the way as well. I remember one time when he, with Rags. Anyway, when I used to walk from the station and I walked to the training ground, he used to like offer me a lift. He'd cap pick me up and go get in the car, and his eating would be up like ninety degrees in the car, like, and he's got a coat on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably say him and Ian, Ian Holloway. Yeah, Ian Holloway was hilarious. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. He was great. Yeah, he 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 was sort of like the sort of guy that sort of brought brought everybody together as well in terms of the funny side of things. I'm going to go in Holloway. Yeah, definitely. Did did you did you see him get top bins on Soccer M in Holloway? Nah, I, I, I didn't see it, but he, he's got techers. He's got techers, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got techers. Definitely, he's so funny. He's hilarious, and he, you know like on the running days and stuff like that that we used to have because back then we had to run on the Tuesday to get the Wednesday off he used to just belt it he used to just murder everyone like so yeah Ollie, Ollie was the, the main instigator but he never really got told off because he was just so funny he was just hilarious so I'm going for him yeah 100% and then number three mate in a in a Royal Rumble the squad you was in who are you picking to win or a fight yeah yeah Oh, I think it could possibly have been in a Royal Rumble. God, blimey. Probably say, I'd probably say big, big, even when I was a youth team player as well, you probably had like the likes of Darren Peacock and people like that, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. when you, Darren Peacock, like, like just big Les. Well, Alan McDonald. Yeah. There was a few of them I think could have it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think probably <laughs> Darren Peacock. I used to be more worried about Darren Peacock when I was a youth team player coming through. Yeah, yeah. Darren Peacock, I think I'd say. Yeah, he's a, he, he looked like he could um, put himself about. I'm trying to think who else there was back then. He used to have long hair, didn't he? I always just remember his hair used to be all over the gaff. Yeah, yeah. Running. I don't even know how he saw, how he was, knew where yeah, he was going. Man. It was always all over the place. It was a good defender, though. I, yeah, I, I brilliant. Very good. Him and Alan McDonald's partnership was excellent. Oh, they they really good. For the, and, and the way that when you know at Loftus Road back then as well, you know when you had those sort of players as well, and Bard, Bards and you know Clive Wilson, that back four was very good, very good. And um, now I, we always used to say when we used to sit behind the dugout about Clive Wilson's calves, 
Yeah, yeah, he's the biggest calves <laughs> I think I've ever seen in football. So yeah, but back four that was a great back four. So I think that back like Adam McDonald and Darren Peacock they could look after themselves. Yeah, definitely. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll go for those two. I would say. I, mean, I never got eye contact with him though when I was coming through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you filled me with a lot of information about some of the players, mate. Because I was born in '95, so I was only yeah. one. <laughs> You're making me feel old, then. <laughs> Nigel, before you go, uh, I've got one question. I've got one question for you. Yeah. Who, 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 was the, uh, who was the best player that you played with? It could be anywhere, I guess. Best player I played with? Uh, yeah, I think it probably... It's crazy, because all the way through, coming through, I've... I'm going to have to leave you with this one. Um, I had Scott Parker, Ray Wilkins. I had Darren Ferguson. Uh, D- Darren Fletcher, sorry. Um, Barry Ferguson. I played with Tevez, Bellamy. Um, oh, yeah. At, at West Ham. So you had like Teddy Sheringham. I had Paul Merson, Robbie Pozanetsky. Um, Who's the best player? Who's the best player? player? You, you think back and you think, you know, in training matches, you think he, you know, he was he was mustard. I'm probably going to go for probably Tevez, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Like, 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 when I mean switch it on, like, yeah. Like, no messing about. Even like Robbie Pozanetsky, when he came to Portsmouth at the time, God, he liked to play for Real Madrid and Barcelona, he did. He used to just rip you like like bad. Oh, Carno played with Carno at West Brom. Yeah, we used to have one on ones, and when you used to face your, your opponent, I used to count how many spaces as we were, he was along. So then I'd do my laces <laughs> up and let someone else go, so they get ripped. <laughs> you know that drag that you used to do. You, you yeah. know that he was going to do it. So I used to just think, nah. Let- Somebody else, I'll do the laces up and just like let somebody else get ripped by him. Yeah, he, he, he'd do you up a little bit. Yeah, he, he was, he was all leg, would he? He's all leg. Oh, he, he had some a bit, yeah, but it sort you right out, like, like proper tie you up. Yeah, that's why I used to let him go. I used to count all the time one on ones, canoe, four along. Nah, laces, <laughs> leave that one. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was really good as well when he. Even even at West Brom, he was yeah. He still could um, he still could do a bit. Yeah, him Tevez. Yeah, yeah. Tevez was really good, really good. Not bad, mate. I think I think all of us could probably sit here and talk to you all night about some of the players who played, especially at QPR. But we'll, we'll yeah. let you go. Um, thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Nigel, thank need... you very much, mate. Ah, oh, pleasure. You ever need anything? Pick pick, pick it up and. Uh, you know, message me or whatever and, you know, I'll send a number over to you anyway and, um, you know, you're more than welcome. Anything else, even if you want to do one in the future and do a little bit longer, oh, I'm more brilliant. than happy to do it with you guys. But I want to, I want to, say, I want to say thank you to you and um, thanks for having me and thanks for your, thanks for your time and, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I appreciate it and I look forward to speaking to you again and, and all the supporters as well. Thank you very much for everything because without you, I'm going to be sitting here. Top bloke, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Top man. See you, pal. See you, guys. Stay safe. Bye. 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 Bye, mate. Wow. Well.
I could, well, I could have literally well, carried on that. I don't even know how long we've been on, but you said he had an hour, didn't he? And I think we were getting pretty close to the hour being up. Yeah, what a bloke, like, yeah. What a bloke, like, yeah. Been through some stuff I mean, as well. Yeah, terrible yeah. things. That's some of the players that. he's played with, though. Oh. God, you forget he was at West Ham with Tevez. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is what I know he would have been there with. Yeah, this podcast getting to know all these things that people don't know is it's brilliant. Yeah, he had a lot of love for QPR yeah. as well, didn't he? Which is great, yeah, definitely. And it's good to hear that the club did a lot for him, and, and and you know we seem to continue doing that, don't we? Which is great to hear. Yeah. Um, just quickly, then I've just, one thing I just want to touch on before we finish is just next season and and and, and how we, I guess, how we think. It would go. I mean, I think we'd all like it to go that we'd have Austin, you know, Hanson. What, yeah. what do you guys think? Well, oh, I don't know about Austin. I still, I still don't think. I don't know. I, I don't think um, we will sign him, will we? I, we don't, he's, on, he's on fifty k a week, isn't he? At the moment, I can't. Yeah. It's a big drop, isn't it? If, I think it all depends because if we let Cameron go, we let Wallace go, that'll free up quite a big chunk of wages because they're probably two of our highest wages at the minute anyway. But then you've got to decide like, do you do you want to sign Austin permanently? Do you want to um, sign Johansson permanently? Like, I don't think we'd be able to get both in. I think it's one or the other. So I think we'll sign Field and I think we'll sign Geordie. Well, um, well so Field and Geordie two... have already got the clauses, haven't they? So yeah, they're all, I that's think we'll all lined up, up to that. go. I'd bring him in. I'd do everything we can. Move heaven and earth to bring all four of them in. Couple, what you know, we, I think we need possibly another, another left back, another definitely, winger. Definitely need left back. Yeah, and then we can have a real go next season. I would have, you know, show a bit of ambition and just have a, you know. However, if it was between Johansson and Austin, who would you sign? Oh, I, w- I would say purely, purely for the fact that. Um, we've got, got more cover in midfield. You'd pick Austin. We've got you've got remember we've got a lot of options in midfield. We've got a lot of, yeah, I was about to say that. There's not a lot of goals up front at the minute. Yeah, I think Only Austin reason. would bring that leadership. Uh, that, we'd lose with honest, Cameron. Yeah. I think you could ask any fan that, mate. I don't think they'd let Austin go, would they? Well, Johansson's such a good football player, mate. That's um, the, it's, so, it's, we do have more options in the, in the middle of the park, don't we? He's the difference, yeah. I think, between an average championship team and a really good championship. I just think in there he pulls the strings and he's he's got everything. I do, I you know, I do. Oh, it's a difficult question. I don't think it's a wrong answer actually. But um, so but yeah, I mean, opinion. I think the and lovely the Kelly. What we could get, get rid if of we can keep, Kelly. If we can keep this squad we've got and add a couple of additions in the summer then there's no reason why we should be pushing the playoffs. Because if you look at the form table, we're the only team not in the playoffs that are in are high up in the form table. Yeah. So from if the season started in January, we'd be pretty much in playoffs. Yeah. That's yeah. how well we're yeah, playing. That's since they've all come in. So if we can keep the team together, not lose like Dickey or Senny, then I think we could have a really good push next year. I'll tell you one player who's been excellent actually since turned here, and that's Wallace. I've got to mention yeah. him. I think we might have mentioned him before, but I think we really he's really, really improved. He really suits the system. He seems to be getting fitter. He gets up and down the pitch really well. Um yeah, I think I think he's been superb. 
Yeah, I agree. Bring, brings experience to the squad as well, doesn't he, Wallace? Yeah. A lot Club's of got the decision to make, haven't they, with them, him and Cameron, both on big wages, both I've, pushing for middle 30s, late 30s. For me, I wouldn't renew um, Cameron. I think, as a midfielder especially, we've got better options. I don't, like, I think against Millwall, it showed that he's not got the legs to be in midfield anymore. I think in a back yeah. three, he's better. Yeah. But then, but even then, the back three at the minute of um, Barbe, Dicky, and um, Jordi, you that's who you picking it. So yeah. he wouldn't get in. He wouldn't get yeah. in ahead of any of them. So could we have Marsterson on the bench next season to come into that back three? Right, Possibly. that's what I would see. Right, yeah, so let's let's just talk about uh, we have got Reading away tomorrow. What's the predictions then? Oh, I'm going. Oh, they lost. They two, lost two one. We're going to win two one. Yeah. Didn't they lose to Birmingham? They did. 2-1. Yeah. Still a good side, though. And they drew uh, to go Forest, one didn't they? I'll go 1-0. If we played like how we played first half at Millwall, I think we're in trouble. Big trouble. I think with how we won the game against Millwall, I think confidence will be up and I think the team will be up for it. And then it's the international break, isn't it? So a few of the players know they've got a break coming up. Like Austin could probably play 90 minutes because he knows he's going to have at least a week off yeah. or like a week of just training, no matches. So it gives us a, like a reason to actually push on because if we beat Reading and then we've got like a game in Hanstead, haven't we? We're only a few points, like what, six, six, seven points off them if we beat them? Don't say the words, mate. Don't even Don't say it. it. <laughs> it's the hope, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah, just let it, we'll leave it there. Thanks. So I'm going to go, I'm gonna go one all. One all. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one all. Yeah, all right then. Well, we'll leave it there. Dunk, thanks for coming on, Brad. No worries. See you all Cheers, next boys. Week. Thanks yeah, for everyone listening. Have a great weekend. See you later. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.